So on uh, this week, on Wednesday, Stacy and I drove uh, to Atlanta, Georgia. Our son, uh, Will, our third child, is going to Auburn, and, which is just over the border in Alabama from, uh, from Atlanta. And so we drove down there, spent the night at uh, his roommate's house, uh, her, his roommate's parents' house, I guess it would be. Uh, and then the next morning, we picked up a car at the Atlanta airport so that we could get ourselves back to the Atlanta airport when we had to fly out that night. And so I'm driving the rental car, and this rental car has something which I have never driven before, although my mom's car had it, and she talked about it. It's called adaptive cruise control. How many of you have heard of this adaptive cruise control? Okay, a couple of people. Anybody have a car with adaptive cruise control? Do you want to swap? It's really cool. No. <laughs> All right, it's worth a try. Um, just turn the keys in the offering box out there. We'll work out the details later. So, okay, here, so cruise control, you know you, what it is. You set your cruise control on 75 or 71 or whatever you set it on, um, and then your car goes at that speed. Well, adaptive cruise control, what it does is you set it on that, but if something comes in front of if a car comes in front of you that is going slower, so if you're going 75, a car gets in front of you, pulls into your lane, and they're going 70, it will slow your car down so that you don't hit the car in front of you, right? It's amazing. Or if you're just traveling in traffic and you're going 75 on your cruise control and the car in front of you brakes pretty hard because the car in front of them, it will actually brake your car so that you slow down and don't rear-end the car in front of you. It's really a pretty amazing thing. It's called adaptive cruise control. And as I'm thinking about being overwhelmed, as we're thinking about that this morning and, and how we kind of overcommit and overdo and do too much, I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if there was like some sort of adaptive cruise control that we could get in our lives? So that when we start to make decisions that are going to overcommit us and make us overwhelmed, that the brakes go on and it stops us from that. You know, you're going to sign your kid up for one more activity and then all of a sudden, the alarm goes off, the adaptive cruise control in your life goes, no, 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 don't do that. That's going to overcommit you. you know, or you go to, to buy some big purchase with payments. It could be a house or a car or a, a boat or a vacation home or whatever it is, but that's going to extend you too much and you're going to become overwhelmed financially. And so you go and then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and it slows you down and, you, and the pen doesn't work. You can't sign the contract because down the road it's going to be overwhelming. Like that would be amazing to have that sort of adaptive cruise control on our lives. There is, I'm not going to give you adaptive cruise control for your life. However, we're going to look at something that Jesus said, which in a sense is an adaptive cruise control. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. So Jesus is teaching, he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to folks about how to live life. And he says this, this is verse 28. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, is what your, your translation may say. Or it's just it's the same thing that we're talking about. Come to me all you who are feeling overwhelmed, and I will give you rest. So how does Jesus give us the rest that we need when we're feeling overwhelmed? He says, take my yoke upon me, 
upon you and learn from me. Now, you may know this already, but the, a yoke is basically a big wooden thing that connects two oxen to each other. And they would typically put an older oxen with a younger oxen, and the older oxen would know the pace to go at, and the younger oxen would learn to go at the pace that the older ox goes at. That is, in a sense, adaptive cruise control. That if we can yoke ourselves to Jesus, then we will walk at the pace of life that Jesus wants us to walk at. You know, we live in a world where we go 100 miles an hour. We go from this to that to this to that to this. And we're constantly speeding through life. But if you think about it, what pace did Jesus walk through life? Not 100 miles an hour. Three miles an hour. That's the walking speed of a normal person. Jesus walked through life at three miles per hour. And you see, when we walk through life at the pace that Jesus wants us to walk through life at, we have time for people. We have time to love people well and not to just rush past people. So here's the first action, is slow down. Slow down. For most of us, when we walk At the pace of Jesus, that will cause us to slow down. Do you remember back when we were in the middle of COVID, kind of in the worst part of COVID? There was a whole lot of things that we didn't like, and we're not obviously not quite out of it, but we can look back to to last spring and when we were in the the worst of COVID, and there was a whole lot of things that we didn't like, right? But there was one thing that a lot of us did like, but there were a lot of things that we didn't like. We didn't like wearing masks. We didn't like social distancing. We didn't like having to live in fear of, have I, do I have it? Does my friend have it? Does my mom have it? Does my grandmother have COVID? Right? We didn't like that. We didn't like quarantining and being on lockdown. We didn't like having to quarantine after that because a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend may have been around somebody who had COVID, so I have to stay in my room for 15 days. We didn't like any of that. But there was one thing that as I talked to people, that people liked about COVID. And it was the fact that it was a forced slowdown, that we spent time with people in our homes or close friends in safe ways, but there was something about the slowness of life during that heart of COVID that we liked, that was enjoyable. And as I talked to a lot of people, and maybe this was you, maybe it wasn't, I was like, I, I like the fact that I have to slow down. And I mentioned that, I bring that up, because what I want to happen, or what I don't want to happen, and it's where you put it, is I don't want us to forget that lesson that so many of us learned during that period of COVID, where we took time for people, we slowed down, and as life sort of, and maybe it doesn't, but as life sort of resumes normalcy, I don't want us to have to pick back up and, you know, crank back up to 100 miles an hour. Let's take the lesson that we learn about the value of being slower in life and taking time for people and valuing what really matters into this future of what we learned in the past. Now, as I look at this, as I look at this own, this point of the action is to slow down, that's hard for me. Because I am a doer. I'm not a slow down kind of person. Like, I'm a doer. I like to get stuff done. I like to kind of look and say, I did this, I did this, I did this. That's kind of my personality. 
And maybe you have that same personality, that you like to just get a lot of things done and bail a lot of hay. And I look at this, I'm like, I don't want to become lazy. I don't want to become slothful. I don't want to use this as an as a excuse to not really do anything. But here's what I want to look at, is if you look at this passage, it doesn't say slow down and do nothing. It says, come to me and I will give you rest. doesn't mean come to me and stop doing anything. It's I will give you rest. And I, and I did a little word study this uh, week on the word rest. It's the, it's the word in, in Greek is, is anap- uh, anaposis. And, and basically, I've got this kind of neat little computer program where I can see where is this word used other places in the Bible. And I looked at this word because translators, depending on the context and the, and the full meaning of the word, will translate it a little bit different in different places. And so I looked it up that way. And I want to read to you three verses about where the same Greek word, anaposis, is translated, but how they translate this word, because it will give us a fuller understanding of what Jesus said here. And in these verses, I think it's highlighted. Uh, if it's not, I'll highlight it for you. It says, uh, so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And it says, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. So the word refreshed there is the word, is the same word that's translated as rest. Philemon uh, 7, and by the way, Philemon only has one chapter, so that's why it's just a verse, not 1-7. Uh, it says, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you all. The word refresh is the word rest. Philemon uh, verse 20, refresh my heart in Christ. Again, it's that, it's that same word. And the reason I share that is this, is that what Jesus is saying is, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you refreshment. That Jesus invites us to come to him for refreshment, not just rest for rest's sake, but to refresh us to go and do the things that he wants us to do, to do the things that he calls us to do in life. And when we live, when we're yoked to Jesus, when we live on Jesus' adaptive cruise control, that's when we can live a life that is constantly refreshed and not exhausted all the time. Let's have a look at another piece of God's wisdom to help us to not be overwhelmed. This is in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and it says this. I'm going to read from uh, verse 15 to 17. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we look at this, and I'm going to give you kind of the the action point, and then we'll talk through it a little bit more. But the action point is this, is prioritize well. Prioritize well. He says, look carefully. Look carefully at your life. Kind of weigh your life. Say, what are the things that I do, and why do I do them? I do this because I love to do it. I do that out of obligation. I do this other thing because other people put pressure on me to do it. But look at the things in your life and ask that question. Is why do I do what I do? Look carefully at your life. And then he has this phrase and he says, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. You know, we live in a dark world. He said, the days are evil, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, when we talk about not being overwhelmed, that's something that we desire, 
right? Like, I don't want to live a life being overwhelmed where I'm always anxious and stressed. We don't want that kind of life. But this verse gets at a bigger picture. You see, God has things that he wants you to do. Understand what the Lord's will is for you. And when you understand what the Lord's will is for you, then we go about doing it. And so that's why this, the, the action point here is, is prioritize well. Because if we don't prioritize our lives, we just kind of do the next thing, we just say yes and yes and yes. But what happens is the things that are most important get left behind because there's no more room to put them on our schedule. And so it says prioritize well. Gives this phrase, and he says, this is verse um, 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. When we make wise choices in our lives, we are prioritizing well. But wise choices look different depending on what phase of life we're in, depending on what's going on at any given moment, depending on the dreams that we have, or depending on the age of our kids, or whether we're single or married. Wise choice differs for each person. And so I want to give you a phrase that maybe will help you as you look at your life and say, how can I be less overwhelmed or how can I make wise choices to not get overwhelmed? And so the phrase is this. It's on your outline. It says this, in light of blank, what is the wise choice? Now, there's nothing that everybody's going to write in there in light of blank. The blank is not the same for everybody. What goes in the blank depends on you, depends on your circumstances on where you are in life. And so you might say, well, in light of the fact that I've got two preschoolers, what is the wise choice? In light of the fact that I want my relationship with God to be the most important relationship in my life. In light of the fact that I have three teenagers in the home. In light of the fact that I want to raise godly children. In light of, I'm going to be traveling all next week. In light of, we're already out three nights this week. In light of the fact that having dinner together two or three or five nights a week or whatever it is, is important to us. What's the wise choice? In light of the fact that my mom is really sick and she needs my care, what is the wise choice? In light of the fact that I'm a single parent, what is the wise choice? That we have to know and understand what is going on right now to determine the schedules that we're going to set for ourselves. You know, we have four kids, and, um, and when the kids were littler, that was, we put that in the blank. In light of the fact that we have four young children, what is the wise choice to do? And so for us at that point in time, and it was the choice for the Santa family, but we made a decision, you know, we're basically just going to let each of our kids pick one activity per kind of season to do. We didn't want each of our kids to pick a ton of activities because if you've got four kids and they're each in three activities, that's 12 nights a week, and there's not 12 nights a week, right? right? So we, we said we need to make some choices. And so we said in light of the fact that we've got four kids and we want them to, to explore their interests, we're going to have them pick what they want to do in any particular point in time. Now, this past year, two of our kids are out of the house, uh, and we had two at home. And so it was in light of the fact that we have two teenage kids who are both doing well, that can both drive, what is the wise choice to make? And so that kind of question led us as a family to begin foster care. 
And so over the course of last school year, we had four different boys in our house. That was in light of that. Had I asked that same question, in light of the fact that we have four kids at home, is it the wise choice to have foster care kids in our home? For us, it wouldn't have been. Maybe for you it is. But I give you that phrase so that you can evaluate the opportunities that come your way and say, do I want to do this? Do I want to say yes? Or is it better to say no? I want to wrap up with one final action. And this action is a little bit different than the previous ones. Because sometimes we can do all the right things. We can have the right schedule. We can have the right budget. We can have everything is good. We've done on our part. We've done what we can do. But yet something happens and we still feel overwhelmed. And I want to talk about what do we do in that situation. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be overwhelmed about your life. I think we read that and we go, that's what I want. I don't want to be overwhelmed with my life. But there's no like switch that we can flip. There's no adaptive cruise control button that we can hit. We still have to figure out how do I not be overwhelmed? And what Jesus says next is the key to not being overwhelmed when things happen to us that overwhelm us that are outside of our control. It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Here's the third action. When we get overwhelmed, write this down. Remember, I am not God. Write that down. I am not God. Okay? I want you to say that out loud. Say, I am not God. A little louder, because you know you mean it. I. That's right. None of you are God. And the thing is, none of you walked in here into this auditorium or started turning on your TV to watch and go, I'm God. I don't think so. If you are, we got issues, right? But here's the thing, is so often in life, when we get overwhelmed by life, it's because we think that we have God characteristics that we can control everything. I can control this. I can control that. I can control this. But we can't. And what these verses tell us, what Jesus says to us, he's saying, look, you're not God. I'm God. I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies. I take care of the grass. I take care of... These things are under my control. But you see, what happens is we run, we run, we run frantic in life. And we forget that God is in control. 
or something happens to us that is beyond our control and we want to control it, but we can't. And so what do we do? We just, we need to let go. There's that expression, let go and let God. It's saying, I can't do anything about this. There's no reason for me to just live overwhelmed, to live an anxious life because I can't control this. Mentioned that we took my son Will to school last week. And so going from Auburn to back to the airport, we needed three hours, an hour and a half for the drive, and then an hour and a half at the airport to check in and all that kind of stuff. And so we were a little bit late leaving because Stacy was crying, big shocker there, um, <laughs> saying goodbye to Will. No, we, we toured the campus. We were a little bit late. I won't blow, uh, blame it on her. So we were a little late, about 15 minutes late, but we're still fine. So we've got an hour. Uh, so we take the drive to the Atlanta airport. Well, Waze comes up and tells us to take a detour because there's an accident on I-85. So we get off the highway, we follow it around, it adds 15 minutes. So instead of an hour and a half, it's an hour and 45 minutes. If you're good at math, we arrive at the airport at 8 o'clock and our flight is at 9, right? So now it's like, okay, well, we're a little bit tight, turn the rental car in, we go. But usually, you know, that's fine. So we get to the turnstiles for the TSA and it is absolutely packed on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock. And we're like, this is bad. And we're thinking, well, it's, it's full, but there's lots of those little, you know, terminals to go through and lots of TSA agents. Well, it's not fast, and it's slow, and it takes us 45 minutes to go through the TSA line. Okay, so if you're doing your math, how much time is left? 15 minutes, that's correct. So we go down, we run down the stairs, right? We are overwhelmed for sure. We go, run down the stairs, we get on the train to go, and we start in, you know, the terminal in T, and we're in Terminal D. And it's like, it takes 10 minutes to get there. And so now, the plane leaves in how many minutes? Five minutes, yes. And what time do they close the doors for these planes? 15 minutes early. We missed our flight, right? And it was like, this is, I've missed flights, but always because something's delayed. First time I've ever missed a flight by being late to the airport or something delayed. And it's like, 45 minutes, like you never spend more than 45 seconds in Charleston on the TSA thing, right? But at that, I mean, you know, the door is there. I knock on the door. I look, their plane, my plane is there, but we're stuck, right? And this is the story that doesn't have a happy ending. It wasn't like, and God came through, and Jesus said, and the flight, it's not that story. It's like, it's not that story. But I realized, like, I can be overwhelmed and frustrated by this, but I look at Stacey, I'm like, well, let's make the most of it because we're not getting on that plane. And so we went and we booked a flight for the next morning and got a hotel and, and, and it was fine. And, and, you know, it was frustrating, but it was one of those things like I could choose to be overwhelmed or I could choose to say, I can't fix it and let's just go with what it is. Close with one final verse. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will be added to you. When we seek God's kingdom first, everything works out the way that God wants it to work out, not necessarily the way that we want it to work out.